Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Overstated MBA show of the B-Team Variety. You just heard music from our friend Matt Sullivan from his project Snowmelt. Matt just put out an EP called Creatures 2 that dropped on all streamers everywhere. Please, please, please do us a favor. Do the Overstated community a favor. Go help support our friends. Give the EP an ad and give it several, several listens. But we're not here to talk about our great friend Matt today. I brought my buddy Adler on. Uh, it's the first time we were just mentioning off the off the pod that it's the first time that he and I have been on a podcast together, just the two of us. You know, normally we're just sending each other dumb Instagram memes and stuff like that. But like <laughs> now, our relationship it's 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 on wax. It's official. Adler, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's good to see you. Happy belated Father's Day. I know I said it on the day, but you know, got to throw that out there for the people as Aww, well. Ah, thanks, um, man. But yeah, you know, overstated B team pod. And today the B stands for not only Bradley Beal, but by ourselves too. Uh, shout out brother Ethan, but he is uh, unavailable today. He had a he had a pretty rough day going on, Sarah. So we're going to let him rest up here and we're going to take over and have some fun today. Um, we've had a lot of exciting NBA news, even though the finals are over. Uh, free agency is already uh, up, up and about trade trade season here. The draft is here. It happened uh, quick, we- man. We got a ton to talk about. We've got, I mean, let's start out. We've got, we've got two big vet names that we need to talk about first and foremost. And the neither one, one of them are Damian Lillard. And neither, that out there. Sorry, Steve. Yeah, Steve. Steve just turned off the pod. That's for the end of the pod. Sorry, Mikey. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> Steve just turned it back on. Yeah. Um, the the first one is we need to talk Bradley Beal, and then the second one is we need to talk Draymond Green. Um, let's start with Bradley. You know, that's kind of the big name here. Uh, I mean, what what can we say that hasn't been said yet? But what what a debacle by the old Washington staff here. The new yep. Washington staff. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give them any sort of negativity for this. They they clearly walked into a very horrible situation. But I feel like off air, just with friends in circles on the group, whatever you want to talk about. We've been talking about Bradley Beal needed to be traded three years ago, two sure. years ago. At pretty much every deadline they've had since 2019, essentially, there's been talk about. Oh, should we flip Bradley Beal? What can we get for Bradley Beal? And there were some pretty big names for a long time that you could have gone for this guy. So, so Mikey, give me your thoughts. He gets the no trade clause. He gets to pick where he goes. He chooses Phoenix, and it's it's a salary dump. Oh yeah, it's, the, it's a salary dump. I mean, from the Washington Wizards standpoint, the B stands for bogus ass return because they got <laughs> they got absolutely nothing. And yeah, you really can't blame the new ownership group. This goes on the previous regime for giving him that no trade clause, which doesn't exist in the NBA anymore. He's the only player that has it. He still freaking has one, which is insane. But all it gave him was the opportunity to not, not exactly choose where he wanted to go, but just choose 28 other teams he wouldn't go to. (laughs) And then when it came to that, and it's like, we've heard some reports about maybe the Miami, he weren't willing to outdo the offer. Who knows if that's even true? Like we might hear more coming out about this later. I'm the B also stands for blown away because we're blown away by the return. But I also understand why they did it. Like if I'm giving out grades on this trade, I think I grade the Wizards better for this, even though they got a terrible return, because at least it sets them forth on a new direction. Like they're they're blowing it up. We know um, Brett Usher, longtime Washington Wizards fan, overstated elite member. He is ecstatic about this rebuild. Um, for the Suns, we know why it's risky. We know why it's a problem. I mean, 
you can parse it any way you want. Them being willing to spend and getting ahead of this new collective bargaining agreement and just saying, let's put ourselves past that second apron. It's a bold move. Um, I keep using bees here. Not all of them are intentional, <laughs> but it's, it's insanely bold. I think they they know they have some optionality with what they can do with DeAndre Ayton, but I'm just not sure you're going to have enough left on a roster after you have to pay these three guys plus DeAndre Ayton. It's, it puts them in a serious crunch, and we could talk about a lot of ways you want to look at it. There's not much to talk about when we look at the Wizards from this standpoint. I want to hear what you have to say about the Phoenix Suns. I mean, I, I get what Phoenix is doing, um, especially in terms of the basketball product, because I think they're, I think fine, like you, 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 you touched on, they chose to go way past that second apron, and I think their other option was you keep Paul or you even wave Paul. You get to keep your mid-level, but they're still just barely past the apron, so they're still limited as it is, so you might as well go way past it you're really your main consequence is you're losing chris paul who i think they were pretty okay with losing in the first place and then you lose your middle level exception which is going to hurt them but i think in the return of getting bradley bill on the court it, it makes all the sense in the world where it doesn't start making sense is financially um you know you start looking even past this year i think he's owed 50 mil for the three years following this year and i think he's right around 47 this year um, on top of that, he gets to keep his no trade clause. So while you can sit there with Booker and Durant and justify, well, obviously they didn't trade for Booker, but you can justify the Durant trade because you can say, oh, well, when we're done with this, Durant, we can flip you for, you know, maybe not what we got, you know, what we had to give up for you, but at least at 75% of that at minimum, you know, and we can keep those assets going. Booker, you want to go somewhere else that's going to suck, but okay, we can get something back for you. We can get quite a bit back for you. Um, you can't really do that with Bradley Beal. And that's the big risk that you're picking up there. But at least in terms of an on-the-court product, it does make sense. They are really, really tied up now, though. Like, the only... Okay, here's the thing. They're ten. They're roughly $10 million under the super tax. And they have 10 roster spots to fill. That's, that's vet minimums only. Now, you can keep the guys that you currently have on your team. I think they have bird rights on the guys. So, you know, you can re-sign a... a a, a Jock Lehman or a Damian Lee or a Darius Baisley. But in terms of what you're going to go out and get, really, unless you are okay, which is a bunch of vet minimums, their only option is to trade Aiton. Now, what they're limited to is they can trade Aiton for multiple guys as long as that you know incoming package salary-wise matches up, but they can't take Aiton and add him to another salary and go up. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so like... That's really the big question with the Suns is, do you hold on to Aiden or do you flip him for, for attempted depth? And that's me, really their only other option. They're, they're very limited. They're very, very limited, and they're betting on that. For sure. To me, it is, it's got to be the Aiden route. Um, new ownership being willing to spend. Uh, Lowe mentioned some things like he could do, they could do like signing some of their birds, right, guys, to like above market value deals and try to trade those later. Yeah, that was a good point. Like getting them to match up and with a mid-level. That yeah. way they can trade them for a mid-level type guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that. That seems pretty crooked. Like what is the collective bargaining agreement for if we're able to just like overpay <laughs> Jock Landale and get back like a, you know, a stud in return. But it is what it is. They already, you know, they pulled off this Beal heist. So the collective bargaining agreement isn't working anyways. I think in getting meaningful assets back for Aiton, or at least meaningful role players, if you could turn them into two or three players, I think that's the route to go. Cause he's kind of, he's a guy who needs a lot of paint touches. He needs to feel the ball 
to get some kind of rhythm in the game. Like they might be better off, better suited for, you know, a utility rim running player, um, maybe some hardened role players. And if they can get like a wing back or two, I think it's the route. I've said it on this pod a few times recently, and it was before they made this field trade. I think it makes more sense now. I don't think they need a big, you know, four or big three and a half, whatever you want to call them. Like they've got their big three. They don't need another guy who demands touches, who needs to like eat up possessions in the regular season and then kind of disappear in the postseason. They need role players to fill around these guys. Yeah, and I mean, it, it seems pretty... I'm a little shocked that Aiton wasn't included in the Washington trade, to be honest with you. Um, but Beal would, have, Beal would have said no. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But because um, you saw it when Aiton proved his best was in that contract year, the year they made it to the finals. He had something to go for. Um it's been noted by, I think, Zach Lowe on a recent podcast where he has that quote before the draft where they're like, Aiton, what's your goal in the NBA? And he's like, to make it to my second contract. All signs point to he doesn't want to play hard unless he's the number one guy and putting up 20 shots a game. And you're right. I mean, that can't be your 3.5 or your number four on a super team. They're just they're not going to fit in there. Um, so, yeah, what they do with Aiton is going to be a big mystery. I, I don't know if that Pacers deal is still on the table. I don't even know if the Pacers want him. But at the same time, the Pacers are talking about trading out of that. Like, um, I think they have the seventh or eighth pick. We'll get there the in a little bit. But yeah. they've been talking about trying to trade that out for a veteran player because they think that they're only a player or two away from making a push for like the sixth seed. So I don't know if Aiton is back in that discussion or not. Hold that note for later in the pod. Because Facts, I've, I've got some time. Yeah. But, but point being, yeah, I mean, this is really their only move left. Now, in terms of being a fan, shout out Ishbia because this is entertaining as hell. I mean, oh, this yeah. is so much more fun to watch than some team that's just, you know, tiptoeing around roster moves and not doing anything and not spending money. This is the most entertaining thing that he could have done. And he came in and just said, money, take it. Here you go. Figure out consequences later. Flashing new owners. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. And and I know this is a big talking point. Everyone's saying, does this bring them closer to Denver? Does this put them above Denver? And I mean, does this bring them above? Does this bring them above the Lakers? Does this bring them above, yes. you know, uh, Memphis, Denver. I don't want to say Golden State because you're going to break my heart. But... <laughs> <laughs> like... I was just waiting for you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> where, where does this put Phoenix in? Uh, let, let's say, let's say they, let's say they, they flip Aiton for for two mid level guys. You know, think NBA 2K, 79 overall, 80 overall, 78. You know, right in that range. They signed some some valid vet minimums, but they're still vet minimums let's assume health, which is crazy, especially with KD and, and Bradley Beal hasn't played a lot. That could just because he was in Washington. Who knows? But where, where do you think this puts them in the West? Is Are they a two? Are they an automatic two seed? Are they the favorite? Are they the four until the depth proves it? Like, what's where do you think? I think regardless of if they make the an Aiton consolation trade or consolidation trade, I think that they're <laughs> firmly in that two position, barring crazy injury to one of, Beal, Booker, KD, and those guys aren't exactly a picture of health. They have the uh, they have the firepower to withstand long durations of injury to those guys in the regular season, which is, I think, what they're trying to build towards. Makes sense when you have high usage guys. Like, I don't expect to see any of those guys play over sixty five games. You know, they'll probably try to make that like what is the bare minimum for all NBA? Is it seventy games? Sixty five, right? Sixty five. Yeah, sixty five. I don't yeah. see any of them playing over that. Um. So that does make some sense to keep Aiden if you're thinking that's how your regular season is going to go. He can be kind of an innings eater. But regardless if they do make that move or not, talent-wise, they're right there with Denver. I think it just comes down to, you know, 
they have to prove that they can be a team. And the thing that we saw with Denver, it took a lot of cracks at it. It had to be like, they had to be completely healthy to be there, but they are a completely cohesive unit built around the best player in basketball. Everything that they do makes sense on paper, on the court with the Suns. I'm not worried about them not having a traditional point guard. Even going into this last postseason run, I thought that they could withstand a Chris Paul injury and still be who they were. Um, they just ran into a wrecking ball, which was the Denver Nuggets, and that could happen again next year. I think they're even more in a case now where they don't need a true traditional point guard. You know, Booker and Beal could just take turns bringing the ball up. And yeah. it's not like... Katie could even, too. Oh, for sure. And it's not like you have to do... You have to run complex sets to get those guys looks. Like, it's pretty much just like, run a hammer action, run a pistol action, and you've got those guys isolating at the top of the key with the other two spaced out in the corners, maybe one big man kind of you know, showing up for for a high screen roll or a post up and they don't have to get too creative with their sets. Like Frank Vogel's walking into, you know, a top three offense in the NBA, even if he doesn't draw if he doesn't grab the clipboard once they're in a game, yeah, they're gonna, gonna be gonna in a lead offense. I, I he's yeah, whatever. Top three offense in that yeah, what, what he's gonna have to manage is, you know, workload for the players, um, how to put together a competent defense because they don't have, you know, outside of Tory Craig, who they have bird rights to they don't have many competent stoppers on that team. They don't have many competent players that can push the ball in transition and kind of create some havoc. This would be, If they could get there somehow, this would be a fun Westbrook team. Just to have like come off Ooh. the bench and just be like, you know, just add some spice to the mix. Add some like some crazy shit happening. Like, I, I don't know if we'll ever see him and KD on a court again, but like that would be kind of fun. Like they need someone who can create some spontaneity occasionally i'm not talking about in the playoffs but just like every now and then they're going to need to like have a workhorse run them up and down the floor to be a fun team for that or a player of that mold i don't think that campaign is that guy i don't know who that guy is but you know they're going to get some vet minimum buyouts i don't know if westbrook's at like a vet minimum portion of his career but we'll see um they've got a lot of work to do with this roster can I can I throw you a couple potential vet minimum guys? Because and I think you're right. And I think the issue here too is because you talk about like oh if you want Westbrook in or you know oh Aiton would be perfect for those those you know 20, 25 games a year. Those other guys are sitting, but the problem is like mentally are they going to accept that role? And you're right in terms of if they are willing to accept that. I mean Aiton would be phenomenal in that role. I would love Westbrook in that role. He is a floor razor in this situation because in those games where Beal needs a day off when when KD needs a couple games off when Booker needs a couple games off you just a Westbrook in and you know he's going to go 120 miles an hour and he's going to he's going to figure some shit out he's going to at least keep you in the mix there um so I I kind of love that but yeah I mean who who are they going to get here because I'm looking I'm looking at some potential vetman guys here and there's not very many po- I mean we got Corey Joseph Ish Smish Romeo Langford's out there I mean, we got Kendrick Nunn. I mean, it's it's a lot of guys that didn't get a lot of minutes last year. I don't. Think I would love if he was willing to take the pay cut. I would love Seth Curry on this team. Um, oh yeah, but I, I mean, who knows how that's going to play out? But point being, like, I Westbrook may be their best option. That might yeah, or, be the right move. Or uh, Westbrook's former teammate Kevin Love, who will be a a vet minimum guy. He might. He'll probably. Yeah, because I think that's combined with Heat. Yeah, I, I yeah, and, and, go back to the Heat, but it, I could see him going to the Suns. Like, if he needs a, a change of scenery and they just don't want to bring him back in Miami. Yeah. 
<clears throat> Absolutely. And I think going going to Miami here, I think the reason they didn't get Beal, and I, I have obviously zero insight on this. I haven't read any tweets about this. This is just me spitballing here. I think what the deal on the table with Miami was was probably Jovic or jo- I don't know if I'm saying his name. Jovic, their young guy whose name is Jovic. Jovic, you nailed it. Jovic, okay. Yeah, you had go. a lot of practice with Jovic. <laughs> Jovic, and it was probably Duncan, and it was probably some other salary. You think they didn't put Tyler Hero in it? I don't think they included Tyler Hero, and I think Miami sat there and said, you could probably have a first or two, but you're going to have to take Duncan Robinson back. And I think Washington sat there and said, do we either want the full salary relief that Phoenix is going to provide plus enough second picks to go get James Wiseman last year, or are we going to get a late first back from Miami, but have to eat 17 mil the next two years for Duncan Robinson. And I, I honestly believe that that's kind of what was debated right there. Now maybe Bradley Beal the whole time was like, it's Phoenix or bust type of thing. Just throw another team in there to get like whatever leverage you can get. Mm. But I really think that that's where the main, I don't think Miami would have ever put Tyler hero on, on, on the trade offer right there. I mean, he's seven years younger. He's $30 million cheaper production wise. Hero's still around a 24, four guy and people are, you know, he's getting shit on cause he didn't play in the playoffs and you know, Hey, maybe there's truth to that. Maybe there's some Ewan effect, but um, I don't know if that's his fault or not. So I think ultimately that's what the deciding factor there was. Um, And how does Miami recoup from this? You know what Miami might do? They might go out and sign Draymond, the Kevin Ooh. Love replacement. Ooh, yeah, we I think I do think it's a good time to transition to player B on our rundown and that is Draymond Green uh reportedly declined his player option today. It was kind of in the it was forecasted for quite some time that he was going to. It's not a huge surprise. It always makes a lot of noise, especially when someone as boisterous as Draymond does something like this. But, you know, we've got a uh We've got a Warriors aficionado here, someone who knows the ins and outs of this team. We've got Adler, and Adler, I want you to just let me know, let us know your comfort level with the Draymond decision. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know what you think this means for the future of the franchise. And I'm yeah. uncomfortable is what I am. <laughs> um, also, first off, what a guy for heat culture he would be. But I I honestly, like, like my heart of hearts, I'm not concerned at all. Like you said, this wasn't a shocking move. No. Um, I think the reports for a week or two now were that the Warriors fully expected him to opt out and then they were going to do everything in their power to re-sign him. I think even with the pool punch, I think last year proved that when it's all said and done, Steph, Clay, Iguodala, and Kerr are going to side with Draymond over pretty much anyone else. I think that was proven clearly. And Draymond's also Draymond's a smart dude. Draymond is not going to opt out if he doesn't have either another deal from the Warriors on the table or another offer from another team on the table. He, he's got some leverage somewhere. He's got leverage. He's got he, he has to. I mean, if if you're making 20 plus million and you have the question marks that Draymond has, especially with other teams, because he's only done this on the Warriors. And that's the whole deal is, oh, is he just a product of I mean, obviously, it's symbiotic, but is he just a product of Curry and Thompson? You know, um, that's going to diminish his potential value on another team. And he doesn't opt out unless, like I said, the Warriors are sitting there going, yeah, we're going to give you another three years. We're going to lower the annual down a little bit, but you're a warrior. You're a warrior for life. We want you back. We can't do this without you. Here's three for 60 instead of one for 27. You know, like you take seven mil off per year. We'll give you, and maybe it's a two and one, maybe it's a three and one for 18 mil or something like that. But I I can almost promise you the Warriors are going to do whatever they can to retain him. 
and I don't see him going to another team unless it's a team, like I said, he's already got a literal offer on, which I don't even know what that could be because if you look at Spotrack and you look at the projected cap room for a lot of these teams going into the 2003-24 season, not a lot of teams have cap space. Not a lot of them do. And the teams that do have cap space would have no reason to sign Draymond Green. I mean, you only sign Draymond for a very specific type of team. And right now, the teams that have cap space are like Houston, Indiana, Detroit, San Antonio, Orlando, OKC, Utah. Like, what what are we even doing here? I could see maybe a team taking one of those younger teams trying to make a, like, you know, a culture establishment, like a Detroit or someone. And, you know, obviously – Draymond's got the the Detroit ties. He's a, he's a Michigan state. That'd really player. be the only one that makes sense to me. That's yeah. the one that makes sense to you. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and you know, they brought in Monty. Like maybe they're just like starting from scratch and they're saying, like, we'll pay you, you know, less money annually, but over a long term deal, you'll get more money. You'll be able to come be a, you know, a culture setter. You're closer to home. That kind of situation. Um, we always hear, I mean, you saying Miami was kind of weird. That's the first time I've actually heard that. Maybe it's talked about more in Warriors circles. Uh, obviously, it's close no, I'm to just me. Spitballing. I'm pure. Spitballing. Oh yeah, yeah, obviously close to me. The uh, the Blazers get thrown out a lot. There'd have to be some cap finagling there. We'll uh, take the three. Lakers, the Lakers all the time. You'll take three for Draymond. Yeah, you could go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> the Lakers get talked about all the time. I don't know how they pull it off. But again, people, yeah, again, Lakers and Clippers get talked about. But how? 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 What's the avenue there? It's got to be a sign and trade, and it's like, what do you want back from those teams? Yeah, exactly. So I don't I don't really know how realistic all that is. Um, with Detroit, you bring up like, oh, maybe Detroit gives him, you know, a longer length, but lower annual. And I really only think that Golden State would be the only team willing to do that. I think if you're any other team, if you're a team that wants a culture setter, if you're a team that wants to bring in a dream on to try to set the tone for the young guys, wouldn't you sit there and go, hey, I'll give you two years, 30, 35 I'm not risking you long term because I'm gonna have to resign some. I'm gonna have to resign Cade. I'm gonna have to sign Ivy. I'm gonna have to sign Duran. You know all that. You know I'm gonna have to give Wiseman a max. But like, <laughs> <laughs> why? So so Draymond, come in for two years. Be that guy for two years. Set the tone. Be a leader, and we'll we'll make sure you're very well compensated. But I just don't see that happening. I see him being a dub, and I I see I see there was a clear. You talked earlier when we're talking um, Phoenix and Beal, where you still need to be a team. Denver was a team. They were a complete team. Every single one of those players bought into that team. And Kerr had some really interesting comments after the um, the Lakers series where he, he clearly said we weren't a team. He went on Draymond's podcast and raved about Denver was a complete cohesive unit. And I think that's a clear shot. And I think the two main guys that you look at and I don't think these are character issue guys. I really don't. I want to be very clear about that. I think these are really good people, good teammates who just want more play and want more shots. And that's Kaminga and Poole. And as good of a person as you can be and as awesome as a teammate you can be, you can still be toxic if your play style demands something that the team is not willing to give you. So I think I think the Warriors have, have chosen Draymond over Poole when it comes to that situation. And I think this whole talk, about the Warriors trying to take uh, Kaminga and flip him for a top lottery pick, I think that's bullshit. Really? I think that's Kaminga's agent floating that mm. because he wants to get his client because his because Kaminga's got two years left and he's up for a rookie extension after the next year. And if he can get to a team where he's allowed to put up 15 shots a game, 19 shots a game, even if it's low efficiency, 
if that can get Kaminga an extra 20 million on his rookie extension, why would the agent not want to do that? Right. They're like, like when you, when you look at when a, when an information gets leaked, you know, you take the both parties and go, which side does this make more sense? And that's probably where it comes from. This sure. doesn't make any sense for the Warriors. We just spent the last year debating, do we do we keep going with projects or do we draft high IQ, maybe older college players that don't have as much of a ceiling? And we have decided that we're going to go back to that, hey, let's go get basketball players that fit Kurt's system. Wiseman didn't work. Kaminga is, I, I honestly believe Kaminga had a really good regular season. I, I don't yeah, understand what happened in the playoffs, but he had a good regular season. He yeah. was figuring stuff out. Why are we resetting that? Why for another player that's going to go through that same exact process where Kerr, I said this in the group, but like, great, can't wait to pick number six again and have him sit for 27 straight games while Kerr plays Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, it makes zero basketball sense. Having said that pool or Kaminga, one of those guys getting traded just to kind of make that chemistry work the way that it needs to for the Warriors to thrive. I see that happening. So you see them getting traded more for vets than you do for a higher draft pick. Yes. And I'm even thinking that with 19 as well. I can see Kaminga and 19 being packaged for like, I'm just an OG or a Siakam or someone in that realm. I I don't have an exact name for you. We'll we'll jump the gun a little bit, but one thing that I had proposed to you earlier was packaging Kaminga and 19 to get up to like as high as 10 in the draft is kind of where I was thinking with the magic, you shut that down. You've actually already made a great point for a great point for why you wouldn't do that on this podcast. I like the route you're thinking. It makes more sense for where the warriors are at right now. Um, I am more curious about how, what you're going to do with Jordan Poole's contract. That That's- is, that's the question mark that I think all all Warriors fans are discussing right and now. And I think that a lot of teams are in the same kind of position trying to evaluate these, you know, not completely overpaid guards when you look at like what the higher end max guys are making now, but like, you know, that 25 to mid 30s range yeah. for these guards that are non all stars, you know, really just shot creating guards don't play a ton of defense. There's a lot of them around the league and I don't know how high of a trade value there is for them. Kind of reminds me of, you know, that that meme I sent out today of uh, Chris Paul, John Wall and uh, Russell Westbrook all wearing the same jersey for three different teams. And if you count right, they're uh, just rotating, yeah, they're just rotating. It kind of reminds me of that where it's like you're going to have these players that are in the same situation, the same mold of player. They're just going to get traded for each other eventually. It's like the only way you could find like a doable trade for him where it's just like, oh, we just need like a scene reset. You know, so these guys like Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero, we already talked about, Anthony Simons on my team. They're like, they're not that hard to find. Like if you wanted to go all in and get one of these players, you could. Or you could take a player like uh, a Nick Smith Jr. in this upcoming draft or something like that where you're like, oh, we've got the next type of player like that in waiting. Why should we overpay for one of these guys now? I have a hard time finding value for a Jordan Poole around the league unless it's one of those younger teams you mentioned earlier that just wants to give somebody an opportunity. So one of those teams with cap space could absorb them into their space. But as far as teams go that have players that they'd want to trade out, I just don't see it. And it kind of puts you in a tough position with this collective bargaining agreement coming up. And I wonder if that boils down to 
the decision making around a, a Clay Thompson or a Draymond Green if you have to get more shrewd with roster. They are and they're not. Like you're not wrong. You're really not wrong. But the issue is like they have this specific skill set where when it's right, it's extremely valuable. That's why you see guys like James Booknight getting drafted ninth overall. That's why you're seeing, um, you know, uh, what's the kid? Uh, uh, something Shofino from Indiana. Um, point point being, like long, you know, that's why Dion Waiters goes number four. You know, these combo guards that have the shot making and playmaking ability to be have these stretches of eliteness, like a J.R. Smith at his highest level, are extremely valuable. But the problem is, is when they're not on when they're not who they're supposed to be they don't offer anything else and that's the problem with jordan Poole this year and that's the conundrum because you look at jordan Poole the year before he had a phenomenal year he kept that team going when curry got hurt his shot making i mean some of the plays that jordan Poole, anthony simons and tyler hero can make are next level plays that mid-level exception guys cannot make but when they don't have it they get picked on defensively right they brick shots they don't think pass first because they think I just have to keep doing what I'm doing. And that's the hard part, especially when you bring the business side of it, like you're saying. I mean, pools on a what I mean, and all three of these guys got signed right around the same time. They're all kind of priced with each other. You know, they all kind of have the yeah. exact same market value. Anthony got the least amount of money. Four for one hundred, right? Yeah, he's about then, like twenty five mil annually. Um, the other two guys, I feel like just given that market, I feel like are a bit of an overpay. But if each team is in a different situation. Yeah. And I can like, see namely Jordan Poole just got punched in the face. He got an extra 30 mil for <laughs> yeah. taking a good punch. I was going to say there was a small effect that had <laughs> <Yeah>. on <laughs> um, Tell your boy Dame to get a little bit more angry at Anthony. All right. <laughs> um, no, but like, so yeah. And, and, and what we just saw in the last playoffs this year is, is JP's failure to do anything, but be a microwave, you know, high, you know, uh, a possibly high efficiency secondary playmaker. It, it failed. And it completely ruined us. Um, so you can either A, bet that he's going to do what he did in 2022 again next year. Or B, you can say, let's get a fresh start. Let's clear out some money. And considering the punch that happened between him and Draymond, I think you got to get him out of here. I think if that doesn't happen, I think maybe it's a tougher conversation. But I think that kind of solidified what's going to be happening moving forward. I would love to see JP on like a San Antonio. Sure. I would love to see him on like, like if we're so, so we're going to get into some draft talk in a second here. So I'm going to try to save this as much as possible, but Orlando has some interesting decisions coming up. And if they decide that they need to move on from some of their young guys for a little bit of a higher ceiling, I can see them making a move for Jordan Peele too. And I think that'd be a really cool fit. So yeah, yeah, there's stuff out there. Orlando is an interesting team. Um, They have been floated. I mean, mostly like on Blazers Twitter, but considering that they have, I believe, the 6th and the 11th picks in this upcoming draft, yep. they've got some flexibility. They're floated on Blazers' Twitter quite often because they're one of those teams that needs like a lead guard creator. Jordan Poole would be a good fit there. Blazers' Twitter floats Anthony Simons because he's an area kid. I think he's a, from the Orlando area. Oh, okay. And, uh, he, you know, on paper, both of those guys kind of make sense as like playing off of, you know, the top guys, the big wings, the creators that they have on the wing there in Orlando, they kind of fit perfectly in that mold for the kind of guard you would need. Obviously they have Markel Fultz and who's not much of a, a shot creator, but he's a do everything point guard. And then they've got some interesting decisions about what they're going to do at the draft. Like, you know, they might have a chance to take Amen Thompson at mm-hmm. that six pick. And there's, there's not any real elite 
shot creating guards in this upcoming draft outside of Scoot Henderson in like the traditional mold. Like everyone after you get after Scoot Henderson has a bit of like, maybe they've got some questions about their shot or some questions about their playmaking or their athleticism. Like after Scoot, there's kind of a drop off, but nobody with a higher ceiling than like an Amen Thompson. Yeah. If you look at the, the way the mock drafts are playing out, um, it makes sense that you might have someone available there at six for Orlando. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of interesting things that can happen. We should transition into some of our things that we want to talk about with the draft, namely some teams that we are curious about moving around. Like who is at the top of your list for teams that you want to see do something interesting on draft night? Well, I've got I've got four teams and, you know, you're you're cursed with being the main Blazers guy here and they're kind of the main team in the news here. So I'm going to have to just drag you down further. But Blazers are my number one with three and twenty three, not only just because of the fact that number three is the highest pick for a team that's got, I think, no, Charlotte's got two in like twenty seven. But still, I mean, it's not just a number three pick thing. It's it's all the implications. It's what means it. What what it means sure. to the game. You already get it. I don't need to explain it to you. But just the fact that they also have number twenty three there brings in some a lot of curiosity. Um, can I um can I clear the air with the twenty three pick? Yeah. About what I firmly believe is going to happen, and Go I have for some time. I think the twenty three pick is already the Chicago Bulls pick, and this okay. has to do with the fact that the Chicago Bulls. And the Blazers made a trade two off seasons ago. The Larry Nance deal. We traded a we traded a protected lottery protected first round pick for Larry Nance that just carries over and never had any like turns into second round picks. Eventually, kind of situation. There's no stipulations on it. It was just like it just carries over and it carries over and in perpetuity, we are not able to trade first round picks in the future unless we either make that pick unprotected, which in our situation we can't do. Or we figure something else out with Chicago. And I think Chicago is a little bit tired of being in that perpetuity. Okay, that's good knowledge. Yeah, because they are like, well, we got this pick thinking we were going to help build our veteran roster up. So I think there's a situation where we could trade like a Nazir Little and the 23rd pick to the Bulls for just the rights to our first back in the future. And I think that, and it's one of those things that like when you're really tuned into a team and you follow all the things about them, like on a daily basis, you start to see things way in advance. Like I knew the Jeremy Grant trade was happening like six months before it happened. It just wasn't allowed to go through yet. There's enough going on there. Once you follow the beat writers of both the Bulls and the Blazers to know that there have been some talks. These two teams are like inextricably linked together. And I think that, it wouldn't shock me if we made a pick with that 23rd pick, if we just couldn't come to terms with them, but for all intents and purposes, don't be surprised if whoever the Blazers pick with the 23rd pick on that night later, when you see them in the draft room, they'll be changing hats to a Chicago Bulls hat. Would Hey, also real quick, shout out Riley, uh, uh, shout out the bounce pass podcast, but would you do, would you I don't even know if it's possible. I'm just kind of off the top here. Would you, I'm sure we've talked about it. 23 for Caruso. Oh, um, so no, I don't think 23. I mean, however else you need to make that work, you know? Yeah. So here's the thing. We have talked about Caruso. I'd love Caruso. Um, I just don't see, I think that what the Bulls, the Bulls would feel like they're giving away too much, especially if they're freeing up that future lottery pick. Like they kind of have us by the balls. If we want to maintain a good working relationship with them, I think there's some kind of situation where it's like, we give you a little sweetener 
to loosen those protections up. And mm, then we just go okay. about our business in the future. Maybe we have to get off of one of our young guys, or maybe it's just a straight up 23rd for the future pick. Um, who knows how it's going to go down? Because I thought you were going to say, would we do Anthony for DeRozan? Oh. And we've had those, we've had those yeah, talks. I've, I heard that conversation. Yeah. 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 And, it, and I, it does, it depending on what we do with the third pick, I am curious about that because it would be interesting to have like, you know, a big ball handling wing that can create next to Dame. But it really depends on what we do with the rest of our roster before we commit to another, you know, older guy like that. Yeah, and I, I like the conversation that you and Riley had too, and I agree with a lot of the points where it, it would be really interesting to see a big ball hand because it's like even when Dame had CJ as awesome as CJ was, there were still ways that you could limit him in the playoffs and kind of hound him physically because he yeah. was much shorter. And it would be cool to see Dame play with a guy who, at any point in time, you could pass him the rock and be like, "Figure it out." Yeah, and yeah, you know, most of the guys, time he'd figure it out. There's very few guys that you're just like you know take away all the other things from Demar's game. You can nitpick him if you want. But if you just want a guy that can go out there and get a bucket and like create it out of nothing, he's one of the best in the league. It'd be pretty cool, especially in the playoffs when like, you know, Dame has had some series where teams are able to specifically the Warriors. I'll give you your shout out. <laughs> we know that we know the 0 and 10 record and all that. I didn't it's say like there's there's teams that can target Dame and just make the rest of his team try to create and in in the playoffs we haven't been built for it. You have a guy like Demar who's just like, oh, you could throw, you know, throw the throw the playbook out. Just give me the ball, I'll make it happen. I like something like that, and that actually, I don't know. Do we want to jump forward to one of the trades we kind of hinted at earlier? No, let's 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 talk. We we bring it up, uh, you know, the teams that were kind of let's let's put a save okay. save that because a couple more teams that I think we need to talk about just real quick that have a lot of questions. Um, Orlando at six and eleven. We touched on this a little bit earlier in the podcast. They have a lot of decisions to make with a lot of young talent. I mean, I, I don't. I think Orlando's in a good spot. They're not playoff ready, but they've got a lot of good, promising players. They've got a good core. They've obviously got their two stars in Paulo and Franz, with the supporting guy in in Wendell Carter. So there's a lot to like about Orlando. But at a certain point, just like with what OKC is going to have to be dealing with pretty soon here, you can only have so many players. And at a certain point, you've got six and eleven. But you've already got, you know, three guards in Suggs, Fultz, and Cole Anthony that you've got to figure out. You've already got wings in Franz, you know what I mean? You've got a big guy in Paulo. you got, like, where where do you go from there? So are they going to package 6 and 11? Or are they going to try to move up? Are they going to take 6 and 11 and try to get a really cool vet? I mean, could you take 6 and 11 and figure out a deal for Siakam? You know, could you bring in a Jordan Poole and get rid of a Cole Anthony and just say, hey, we just think your ceiling's a little bit higher? So... I don't know what they're going to do, but I think Orlando is very interesting as well. I don't know if you have a whole lot of, I think we already kind of discussed Orlando. So I don't know if you want me to move on or if you want to touch on that real quick. Um, um, I'm, I am there on my list. Yeah. My, my short list of teams I'm interested about. I, if I had to guess, I think that they make both picks. I don't think that they're on like, they show that they were a pretty good team in the second half of the season with just what they have, but I don't think that they're in a situation where they need to accelerate their timeline. And I think that they also have, the assets to make a move for a player or even to just absorb a player like a Jordan Poole without giving up that much. I don't think you'd have to give up six or 11, you know, it, it just, Oh yeah. Not for pool, not for pool. No, yeah. Just the situation they're in. Um, I, it would be curious to see how it shakes out. I have them mocked. I did my mock draft today and there's a lot of teams that interested me just like running through it right now. I've got the magic taking Amon Thompson at six and Grady Dick at 11. 
and then that adds some you know some creativity that'd be a and, great haul i love i and, some I shooting. and it's like why and it's a, it's a deep draft there's a lot of teams that are trying to move up like why not just take two guys you don't have to really worry about like getting serious about this team yet like maybe you make a play and push next season yeah maybe you're a think- first round team I think that's a great call. Like, let's see what we can do for a playoff push. Let's throw as many cards as we can at it. But pretty soon, they're going to have to start making some decisions. Um, I want to go back real quick to our our Blazers talk. Just throwing this out there real quick. Um, Earlier, I think this was off podcast. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But you were talking about your love for Jairus Walker and how before pre-lottery, you were were thinking like, okay, maybe we get right around six, seven, five. That's kind of right in his wheelhouse. You guys got number three. Now, obviously, the big three that everyone talks about, Wimbenyama, Miller, Scoot. I don't I haven't really seen much deviation from this until until our very own no ceilings partners, our friends, not partners in, in business, but just homies. Yeah. They have Jarris Walker mocked number three to the Portland Trailblazers. It's, How I do you feel if, about that? I don't know if that's the whole no ceilings board. I think that might just be our friend Nathan's individual and i think he's taking fully into account that if the hornets take scoot at two he's got brandon miller at two he's oh really jared's at three and he's got scoot going to houston at four honestly all due respect i think that's crazy <laughs> and I, I know i'm not in a position at all to be he knows a thousand times more about this draft than i do first sure, he totally right. does i think so he's got brandon miller at two and yeah Oh, so I that, just found that real interesting. His, I, not a lot of places are putting Jairus Walker at three, but the I justification that's, that's is there, I think. For sure. That's just completely situational. He's looking at what the Blazers need on paper. It's a team that's always needed defense. That's why, like, I – yeah, I fell in love with Jairus Walker throughout the, like, scouting process last year. I don't do, like, deep scouting, but I was just like, this guy is exactly what we need. He's got that that Draymond kind of, like, switchability dog in him. Some of his defensive highlights just jump off the fucking Absolutely. Like, like oh, I don't no. know if I've ever watched a highlight tape of defensive plays only that get me more amped up. You see him like close out when he's like hedging hard and all of a sudden he's like a predator and he's just like swamped someone up. And it's like this mixture of like Drew Holiday meets Draymond Green, but he's stealing the ball and he's going down the court and dunking it. I was going to say he's got, he's got the handle to run in transition. He can finish in the lane. I mean... I- <laughs> Okay, let's 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 throw it out this this way, and then we'll move on from Blazers here because there's there's two more teams, and we don't even have to talk about them that much, but they just they're on my list here. But let's let's assume there's no package to trade down that the Blazers front office likes. Like, let's just say there's really nothing there that really moves the needle from you. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we'll give you six for three, and we'll give you a bunch of seconds. But you're like, fuck that, you know? Right. Would you be okay drafting Jarris Walker number three? Or do you think principle alone, even if the fit is poor, you have to pick Scoot? This is a Jaden Ivy Keegan Murray thing last year. I know. I, I think it's actually different because I think that the tiers above that Scoot Walker is, or Scoot Henderson is, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the tiers above like a Jairus Walker, a Cam Whitmore, a Taylor Hendricks, other guys that get like listed after those top three, it's not similar at all to the Keegan Murphy Jaden Ivy situation. I think Scoot most years goes number one. Okay. He's a he's a John Morant type of prospect. He's a Derrick Rose type of prospect. He's one of these elite electric guards. He's a John Wall type of prospect. Like you see them, they 
they blow you away. They're physical specimens. Most years, it would be no question. This draft cycle got very interesting. I don't think the Blazers are in a situation where they can be thinking fit outside of long-term evaluations because no matter who we take with that third pick, we're not going to be a contender this season. And I think you make a pick like that. You pick a guy like Jairus Walker. Sure, you're happy with him. You love everything about him. He'd be a fan favorite. But then you look at whoever, let's say it's Houston with the fourth pick, probably shitting their pants with excitement that Scoot Henderson is there. And you watch (laughs) Scoot Henderson become like a multiple-time all-star. I don't think you could stomach that. And I don't think the front office in Portland Candy there. I know the fit isn't there, but I, you know, I, I think this is all mute conversation because I don't buy the the posturing at all that the Hornets aren't just going to select Scoot too. I'm actually like super excited at the prospect of a LaMelo and Scoot backcourt. Like, I think that could be one of the funnest league pass teams in the, in, you know, right off the bat, like they got to do a couple things with their roster create something some spacing for them and all but like those two guys creating offense like sure they'll give up 125 points a game but it's gonna be fun as hell like i want to see it yeah and apparently apparently Lamelo is like for as flashy as he is on and off the court apparently he's super low maintenance when it comes to like being a good teammate and willing to play with others so yeah, yeah I, I hear you there that would be really fun and i think that's a fair point and ultimately i do agree with you i just thought it was an interesting conversation to have now, if we if we are going to do this is the trade I was alluding to earlier, and shout yeah, out to our overstated legend Kane Ross, the trade machine. Shout guru. out Kane. He sent me like I was kind of I was talking down on a post to someone who was talking about some preposterous, you know, Chris Abs Porzingis for three trade where we get back this very like play in esque roster, and I just I think that you don't you know we hired Mike Schmitz who was partners with John Gavoni at ESPN for years. We didn't take him, you know, we didn't sign him so that we could trade all our first round picks. Like we want to take prospects. That's a great point. I I wouldn't be shocked if we do a trade back scenario where he sees like extreme value in that five to six range, seven, eight, whatever. The Indiana Pacers are sitting there with the seventh pick. They might be looking at a wing at three thinking like we can have the ultimate pairing with Halliburton going in the future. Maybe they would be interested in parting ways with Miles Turner and the seventh pick, sending the seventh pick and Turner to the Blazers for the three pick and Yusuf Nurkic going back. We get an immediate upgrade over Nurkic. And then we get in that range where there's still going to be some really nice prospects, whether it's one of the Thompson twins, whether it's Jairus Walker, who I would be ecstatic about playing next to Miles Turner in Portland. Maybe it's a Taylor Hendricks, maybe a Cam Whitmore falls. Like there's a lot of talent in that range. If you're super uncertain with what you're going to do at three, why not kind of ride that middle gap a little bit and bring in a vet like a Miles Turner to help you, but also a younger player that can help you and kind of age with Shaden and Anthony going into the future. That got me pretty excited. I'd rather take the three pick if I had to, but if that was to happen, I don't know. I don't hate it. I, I do like that trade, especially with just in terms of the value going going out and in. And I think Miles Turner would be a phenomenal fit with Dame Lillard. It's the same reason why he keeps getting, uh, you know, potentially traded to the Warriors every offseason and trade deadline, just because, I mean, he's the exact type of prototypical big you want with a, a, a deep range shooter like a Curry or a Dame Lillard right there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think the problem is, is, is like you said, if you do that, if you're not sure at what you're getting at three, and in a lot of drafts, you may not be sure what you're getting at three, but 
like you said, this is one of the craziest drafts that we've had, especially top loaded in a long time. Scoot goes number one most drafts. So let's even assume he goes number two. Let's say Charlotte takes him at number two. Indiana's looking at Brandon Miller at number three going, that's the wing we want right there. Well, yep. isn't he also the wing that you guys want? Isn't he the guy who would be going number one also in a lot of drafts? You know a what I mean? Drafts, so yeah. I think it's like if you're number four, if you're Houston, think 100%. You're going, there's questions here. There's For not sure. a clear cut number four. Maybe mm-hmm. we move back two, three picks, pick up something in return. But I think in the top three, I think there there really isn't a lot of uncertainty. It's whether or not you just the only uncertainty is to, do you do you trade your you know your your established point guard and then bring in a scoop? I, I think that's really the only question there. But yeah, for sure, it, it is a fun trade. It really is, and, and Miles would be great in Portland. I think that immediately puts you at minimum eighth, seventh seed. Damon, yeah. Damon, uh, Miles Turner, you know what I mean? So, yeah, and then, and and then you, you still throw have development. Yeah. Anthony's still on the team providing secondary playmaking. Um, honestly though, I, I was, I was texting you a little bit about this like a week or two ago. This is just pure, like being a fan here, but if you just, I don't even care which twin it is. I don't, they're the fucking same, I guess, but you pick one of those twins and you pair them with shade and sharp. That is be so much fun. This fast break transitional team. I think you can have in the entire league. For sure. I, I namely Amen. If it's Amen Thompson, who's got a little bit more like playmaking chops and actually his athleticism jumps off a little bit more. Yeah. And Asura's a little bit more of the shooter, correct? Yeah. He's, I mean, numbers wise, don't say it. Just like form wise. Yes. Form wise, you think he's going to develop into that. He's a bit more of like a secondary playmaker, kind of a wing type. Um, I would say Amen is more of a, you know, like the Lamelo type or like a Dyson Daniels is more right. accurate. Um but higher potential than a than Dyson. Like a lot of drafts like he might be a top two or three pick. A little bit more penny hardaway to his game than Yeah, than yeah, yeah. Else. He's a very interesting prospect. And I think that most mocks and most evaluators have no problem saying that like after the top three, Amen has the highest ceiling. I wouldn't be upset at all if we traded back a pick or two and got an asset from a Houston or a whoever and were able to to get someone like Amen into the system. But he's definitely I think that Brandon Miller is the perfect mix of what we need where it's like versatility, roster, you know, flexibility, and also like can help with the future, but also help right now. Mm-hmm. That's the guy we want. Anyone else there's a lot of question marks. Scoot, there's the the fit question marks. Amen, there is the development question marks. Uh, you go further down the line, like a Jarris Walker, can he ever be like a useful enough offensive player? Yeah, can you shoot think- the three consistently enough on the exactly? Level? Yeah, and so on and so forth. Um, I think that if I had to guess today, and this has been my stance for a couple weeks, regardless of all the deliberating I've done. Most likely scenario <laughs> has been the most likely scenario for the whole time. We make the three pick, whoever the best prospect is, whether it be Scooter Brandon, and we keep Dame and we figure it out from there. Yeah, I think I think giving it one year to figure out, I think, is a fine option to go down. Um, it is obviously this is just going to be a wash and repeat next offseason, too, depending, you know, barring something drastic. But right. I think it's totally fair to give Dame the option to say, Hey, do you want to try a year out with one of these really awesome young talented guys and see how it works? Brandon Miller comes in and has a Paul George type, you know, potential showing. I could see Dame gets in there go, okay, we got something. We yeah, got something. Sure. Let's stick around for this a little bit longer. So yeah. yeah and, year, and if you think about I'm the development and you think about the development of the younger players. So I think a lot of people's critique about the Blazers direction, the last few years, last five years or so, 
has been like, you know, what, why do you want to be a perennial six seed or a fifth seed? You know, all things map out, like maybe you're a second round team. It didn't make sense in the past. But when you're talking about developing like a Shaden Sharp and a Brandon Miller, like why, why would it hurt their future growth to not get these playoff reps early? Think about like a young Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like they got those reps yeah, they, early. And- they got to learn how to lose in the Eastern Conference Finals very young. <laughs> and, they, and, it, and they just kept it on really doing prepared it. them to lose in the Eastern Conference Finals seven <laughs> years later. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's not a bad way to map it out. Like if you think <laughs> these guys are that kind of talent level, yeah, why not get them those reps early? Yeah. And like, you know, maybe eventually Dame says, okay, I'm tired of like trying it with these guys, but let's see how it looks for a little bit. Like I, so, I, I think the talent is too much to pass on. I agree with you there. And let's transition that a little bit. Like, obviously, we've done a lot of talking about a lot of guys that are projected to go top 10. Um, let's talk. Give me, like, two or three guys that you really like that may not be the top five guys. Like, obviously, you like Jairus Walker. Obviously, we all love Scoot, Wimby. Yeah. Let's if, if I did, well, I have Jairus Walker mocked at the Pistons at five mm-hmm. with a lot of question marks there. Um, some recent risers for me. Yeah, just give me some guys where you're just like, in general, you're like, I really enjoyed watching that that tape. You know, So I I really like Anthony Black. Love Anthony Black. I was going to shout Anthony him out earlier for possible for the Blazers if they traded down. Um, if they trade down, for sure. Yeah. The um, I see him mocked as high as six to the Magic. Yep. Um, he's kind of like in the same mold as an Amon Thompson. Um, reminds me a little bit of like a Sean Livingston type. Like a guy who this is you know, maybe a mixture of pre-injury and post-injury Sean Livingston, but like an intangibles guy. He's got like really good at, um, you know, real good defensive versatility. He doesn't need the ball to be effective. He's a great cutter. Kind of like that same version of like Sean Livingston where like he bring the ball up, pass it off to like a high post player and then somehow find the ball again, like in that like middle range. Yeah. And like do damage. He's got a bit more athleticism like than the later career post-injury Sean Livingston, like he can get up. He's got to fix that, that jump shot. But like, as far as intangible guys, I just, I really dig him. There's a lot of Lonzo um, in him. There's a lot of Lonzo's game. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then let's see, I am, you mentioned him earlier, Jalen hood Shafino, his tape jumps out to me. Um, it Injury concerns are huge huge risk factor with this guy but Derek Whitehead out of Duke I think yeah. that if he didn't have some of the injuries that he had in college like his tape jumps off he'd probably be a lottery pick uh some late risers for me obviously shout out Bilal Kulabali yeah uh, everyone's favorite <laughs> player now yeah that, that's he's really risen up um I've watched a little bit of tape and I'm like oh I can see it there I think that any team that picks him knows he's gonna be two or three years out he I looks like the, he could like f- when, when fully realized. There's a lot of Nick Batum there. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of like high IQ, uh, three and D with some secondary playmaking, efficiency on in the corners, really long limbs. He he looks like he could be a really solid player, and I think it speaks a lot. I mean, everyone talks about you know how polished Luca was coming over because he was a professional at 18. How polished Victor is because he's a professional at 18 playing in the champ. Well, Bilal is on that team too. Yep. He's a high contributor to that same team at 18 that's professionally on a championship level team. You know, that's that speaks volumes. Some late post lottery guys I really like. Um, 
I actually mentioned this one to you for the Warriors. I think it'd be a bit of a reach at 19. I don't see him mocked in the first round many places, but Julian Strother out of Gonzaga is just oh. like the perfect kind of like three and D knows his role, athletic wing. I don't know why he isn't mocked higher normally. I wouldn't be surprised if like a contender, like a Bucks or a Warriors trades up like early in the second round, late in the first round for him. I really like Jordan Walsh. He actually played with Anthony Black. Um, he just a lockdown defensive player. I think he's only about six five, but just has all the hustle and versatility. So yeah, those are some of my like my deep draft guys there. Yeah, and I, I I think we've got some similar ones there. I want to give a quick shout out to um one of my one of my favorite guys that I want going to the dubs if they are to keep that number 19 pick, which again I don't think they should, but if they are, um love me some Chris Murray. Okay. I mean, left-handed yeah. Keegan Murray. If you're you know, if you're talking about established guys that aren't young, know how to come in and contribute right away, I think Chris Murray is like the post-lottery, like he's the stereotypical like embodiment and of that. And that's what we're looking for. And there's a lot of talk um, because you know the move was just made between uh, Bob Myers stepping down, and then they 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 promoted Mike Dunleavy Jr., uh, which mm-hmm. is a big full circle moment for me. There, I used to hate that guy on the Warriors. But um, anyways, there's a lot of talk that because Mike Dunleavy Jr. has been with our front office for a while. There's a lot of talk that in the 2020 draft, um, instead of Wiseman, Mike Dunleavy was pushing for LaMelo. And then in the 21, instead of Kaminga, Mike Dunleavy was the one pushing for Franz Wagner. So there seems to be a clear, I mean, as long as those reports are true, he seems to be the guy that is wanting to go more towards that high IQ, polished, know your role can fit in Steve Kerr's system. Whereas I think Lakeup was telling Bob, we need to go get home runs. And yeah. I mean, you know, whatever, that's a discussion for another day. But I think, I think Chris Murray fits that mold very, very well. I think he's going to know his role. He's polished. He's a three and D guy. He's got great length. He's got the pedigree for it. I, I just, I really like him, especially right in that range. He's getting mocked anywhere from like 18, 19 to like 25, 26 yeah. in some places. I, I've seen him just, just outside of the lottery. And then at the very end of the first round. Yeah. And then, and then one more guy that I want to shout out real quick. This is Shafino's teammate. Um, another older High IQ, know your role, know who you are as a player. But um, uh, Indiana's uh, Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, four-year guy, knows what to do. We don't have to develop. Well, I mean, obviously, you got to develop in a little bit, but you don't have to spend a ton of time getting into that. Theoretically, he could come playoffs next year, be ready for a, you know, a role as the eighth person and the main big off the bench backing up Looney or something like that. So yeah, I've got the- him, I've got Trace Jackson Davis mocked to the Grizzlies at 25, but there's a lot of teams in that range. The Kings, namely the Bulls, the Nets have a couple picks at the beginning of the 20s where I could totally yeah, see to him back. going. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see him going in one of those spots because he's going to figure as a guy who could be like an all utility player come playoff time. Yeah, for a team and... Like that. And I don't think he'll be there uh, at 19. I, I really don't believe that. But a couple mocks have him climb in this area. Uh, uh, shout out, Ethan. Uh, give me some Grady Dick on the Warriors. Oh, my God. Would that be <laughs> He could be a dropper. You that would know. just be like, a- as much as I would hate that, I would love that, I think, more than any other pick in, well, that we could even have. And we, we didn't talk too much about these teams, but there's a few teams that when I was making my mock, I was having a hard time figuring a player that was of need for them in these spots. Mm -hmm. So I could see the Warriors moving up to like a 16 with the Pelicans or a 15 with the Hawks with giving up like very limited future stuff. If you're just moving up a couple picks for one of those teams knows 
they can still get the guy that they want at 19. Yeah. Maybe you can do it for like a couple, you know, second a Patrick round Baldwin Jr. and a future 27 totally. or something. Yeah. Yeah. You, you might, I think we're going to see a lot of movement in this draft after the lottery. Well, and I, there's two teams just to go back to like teams that are interested and we don't want to go super in depth, but you talk about movement, both Utah and Indiana both have three first round picks. Yeah. Utah's got two blazers have two. You talked about one's basically Chicago. Charlotte's got two. Um, a lot of these teams have multiple first round picks and I don't think all of them are going to be staying with those teams. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of movement here. It's going to be Thursday. is going to be good. There's going to be fun. Be so we've got a plan. Um, I think we're planning to do a little, like the overseated team is going to get together and do a zoom. Maybe have, have a couple drinks or you might have a joint, whatever you got to do. Um, and let's, uh, we're going to talk out like through the first round. And I think starting of the second round, we're going to go, and we're going to start recording a pod and just get our thoughts out there. It might be a little messy. It might be a little reactionary, but we should try yeah, to shoot for it. Yeah, I Live reactions is get a couple people kind of in and out. Just who yeah, yeah. Let's let's pop have and let's some have fun. some fun with it. So that's the loose plan for Thursday night. We're going to see what happens. Um, also, if you're a member of the Facebook group, which I'm sure you are, we are currently running a mock draft contest. So you go in there. You put up your mock draft. I put out a thread for it. Um, reach out to me if you want to join and you couldn't find it. And uh, yeah, it's a real loose points-based system. But if you win, I am going to make Ethan and Adler say nice things about you on this podcast. And what could be better than that? Just like to pump up your week, get yourself all excited. Like we're going to say the nicest things about you for a minimum of eight seconds and a maximum of nine. <laughs> and yeah, that's the best we can do for you. Cause we don't have sponsors yet. We're working on it, <laughs> but all right. Hey, Adler. also real quick, real quick. I just yeah. want to give a quick, uh, if you're not a part of the Facebook group and you're listening to this podcast, please DM who, one of us so we can, yeah, who are who you? You are. <laughs> yeah. We need more of you, but yeah. Okay. Hey everyone. Thank you for listening. Adler. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, for our brother Ethan, who tonight the B stands for boy, we miss you. Getting boned uh, at work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. For all of us at the B team, we love you guys. Thanks for listening and uh, have a great night. Let's have a fun draft. Peace. Peace.